Thank you, Lord. Wow. How many of you are happy to be here today? It's good, isn't it? I mean, it, you know, there's something very special when we come together and, and we do what we just did. Um, there's something unique about it. I mean, you can do it in smaller groups and there's power in that as well. But when we come together as a body of Christ and we worship the Lord like we just did, there's just something unique and something special. <clears throat> I wanted to, um, to just remind us of a couple of, of things that, um, uh, one announcement in particular that I wanted to, uh, to bring our attention to, and it's fasting and prayer. I don't know if we have that slide that we can bring that up. Yeah. So this week, uh, from today until next Saturday, right, for the entire week, the last week in the month of October, uh, <clears throat> we're asking and we're encouraging everyone to just take a day, if you can, uh, where you can uh, take some time to fast and pray. And, and we put some uh, prayer prompts uh, in the email. How many of you have seen this already? That's great. Uh, so I'm not going to overdo it. But there's a bunch of prayer prompts there, unity, repentance, hearts to be mended and restored. Every family right here at our church, we want to pray, increase desire to prioritize prayer and the presence of God in our lives. I think that that's like one of the greatest right now in this time and season. For God to provide what we need as a church on every level, uh, you've probably seen also the volunteer uh, portion of it, and many of you have responded. Thank you so much for that, and <clears throat> also for our country and the elections. Uh, that is just such an important thing, that God's will be done. Amen. All right, so let's keep that in mind for this week. Take, you know, whether it be a meal or you want to fast social media, which is probably the greatest thing to fast right now. <laughs> Come on, you know what I'm talking about. It's probably the greatest thing to just like put it aside and just forget about it for some time. Uh, and um, obviously, um, you know, whatever the Lord puts on your heart to, to take as a time uh, to just really spend Spend it with the Lord, meditate on his goodness and, and some of the things that God wants to do in and through us. Uh, I also wanted to remind us that we are going to continue with prayer. How many of you have been here on a Wednesday or Thursday on Zoom prayer? I mean, it has been powerful. Uh, Wednesday mornings here, I mean, it's increasing. Would, would you agree, Marshall, Denise? I mean, it's been unbelievable. <clears throat> and... Um, uh, the first time that we got together, uh, as we were praying, I actually, the presence of God was just so powerful. We were like, most of us on our faces before the Lord as we were worshiping. And I actually saw it like a vision before me that, that there would be people coming. And I don't know where they're coming from, but it's all of you and many more. And, and it's not just from this church. It's even people that want to and desire prayer in their lives. And I actually saw people lined up, not just in the prayer room, which we're going to call the upper room very soon because it's just what we desire. <clears throat> but we, I saw people lined up along the, the hallway and into the next room, people hungry for the presence of God and desiring God to come and meet us and touch us and do something special and unique in our lives. I truly believe it. And if you have an opportunity, 6.30 to 7.30, we respect that hour. Uh, the school uh, is in session here, so students the parents... Uh, do drop their children off. So take that time. Just come and, and spend some time with us in prayer. Uh, I also want to thank, where are they? Uh, can't see. There's Debbie. Oh, there's, I see Debbie there and Josh. Josh is probably somewhere in the back. Uh, you probably noticed coming in, there's coffee. It's complimentary on us. Enjoy a cup of coffee. Thank you, good cup for blessing us with that. And, uh, you know, that is, the coffee is free. But if you want to bless them, uh, you leave a little something then for, for, for them, I think that'd be great. I'm sure that they'll appreciate it. So thank you, Debbie and Josh, for that. They're good cup. I think we all need a good cup every once in a while. Yeah, that's right. At least one a day, right, Sam? <laughs> uh, the other thing I wanted to remind us of is that um, we are... Um, not taking the offering, as I'm sure you have noticed, um, as we've always done, no passing of baskets, but there are, there's a couple of baskets as you leave, uh, and you can deposit your offering there, or if you prefer, it's very simple, you go to 
uh, missioncommunity.cc, and there's a give button. You press that, and it's as easy as one, two, three. Would you open your Bibles with me to Psalm 127? Psalm 127. I'm <clears throat> going to do a, um, a mini-series a couple of weeks, um, starting today, and then we'll finish it next time we get together in two weeks, on Psalm 127 and verse 1. And I truly believe that um, we are, this is a, an important time in our church. I loved what, um, what Eddie read. It seems like a, a little detour. Uh, there's been a couple of things that have uh, somewhat felt like uh, have caused a detour in our lives. COVID, changes on, uh, as far as the church is concerned and things that have taken place. But we do believe that God is in the midst of all this and the Lord's presence is in this place. And so we believe that God wants to do a great thing. However, without the Lord, it's completely useless, right? And so if we look at Psalm 127 verse 1, it says this, and I'm sure that you have heard this before and you've read it many times. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, um, uh, Marshall, I don't know if you realize it, but you said that verse both times that we've gotten together. And it was a great confirmation, even in my spirit, that unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And I put it in the New Living Translation because I love the way that it says that unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. Wow, that, that's kind of sobering, isn't it? Unless God is in this, the work that the laborers do, the builders do, is wasted work. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. You, know, you all know what sentries are, right? Those guards at Buckingham Palace that, you know, they're guarding, they're... they're you know, no one's going to pass through this door unless, right? You know, all of that is empty and futile unless God is with us. Now, when we think of building and time to build, I, I want to tell you that this is not going to be your traditional message about church building and excitement and, oh, we need new life and new blood and let's go out and, and bring new people for Jesus. I mean, that's all good. Don't get me wrong. That is important. But this type of building that, that I'm thinking of today is a building or thinking about how more than what we are going to do as we build the church. <clears throat> it's not a traditional message of church growth. But being aware of how we construct, how we bring things together in the house of God, I believe that we need to get back to very basic foundational principles of the word of God when it comes to building the house of the Lord. Now, someone once said, and I'm sure that we've, we've heard it before, that less is more. You heard that, that statement before? Less is more. Although I think that for the most part, the majority of us feel like if we can bring more, it just feels a lot better, right? Oh, we, you know, let's just add a little bit of that and a little bit of that and add this and that and the other, and more feels a little better, but that's not the case. And I believe that it's the time for us truly to get back to the basics. Construction is a tricky affair. Now, I've never built a house I'm thankful that we've had a number of homes that we've owned and sold, et cetera. But I've never been as courageous as to say, I'm going to build my home. Because you know what? Some of you guys have done it, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's problematic. you got to work with the construction managers and make sure that they do things according to plans. And when that does not happen, it, you know, the pressure goes up and it gets frustrating and so on and so forth, right? Now, construction is something that is not for everybody. In fact, when you talk about construction, all safety measures and protocols have to be adhered to or you have problems. And you have to work according to the blueprint that you have in front of you. Because if you don't follow the blueprint, then you're just going by haphazard and that just not, it's not going to give you the result that you are expecting for your home. 
Now, building has codes, right? We all know that. We understand that. And you can't just decide to build an extension to your house. You go, you get a permit, and then you build according to code. That's important. Now, the Word of God is our code of conduct, if you will. It's the code that we need to obey in order to be able to build a construction for the Lord and work for the Lord in a way that brings the results that we actually want to see. Now, there's a story that I read, and I'm not sure if this is true or not, but it illustrated this point perfectly. There's this guy that kind of like dabbled in design work, and so he thought, I, you know what, I'm going to build a home for my family. And so he sat down and he designed this beautiful home. I mean, all details, everything that went in it was just so good. And so he contacted a construction company and said, hey, would you build a home for me? Here's the blueprint, and here's what I want you to do. I just, I want you to just don't even call me. Just follow everything as I have designed it. Just build the house, and then once it's done, he, he was pretty confident. He says, once it's done, just let me know. So you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. He said, oh, okay. And so the construction manager went on and he built the house and he completed the construction and called them and said, hey, come and check. The house is complete. I mean, he would drive by every once in a while. We'll look at it. He's very excited about what he was seeing from the outside. And so he went in, he opened the door. And I mean, he beamed from ear to ear, smiled this big. I mean, he was just so proud of what he had just done. Looked up and wow, staircase just to perfection with all the detail woodworking that he wanted. And he went into the kitchen and he saw this beautiful kitchen, all the amenities that he could have wanted, everything just according to plan and detail. It was beautiful. He felt so proud and thought, so he thought to himself, let's go check upstairs. And lo and behold, there were no stairs. And he was like, he looked at the manager and said, what have you done? I can get to the main floor, but I can't get upstairs. What did you do? Well, he said, I did exactly what you said. I looked at the design. I read the blueprint and I built according to what you gave me. There were no stairs in this blueprint. Now that story illustrates this truth that <clears throat> designing and building absolutely necessitates and requires God to be in it. This is not something that you do, you know, just out of uh, a, a desire to just want to do something because you have nothing else to do. It's not like, oh, you know what? This, today I'm just going to build a house or I'm just going to put something together. Even in the smallest of construction, even putting together a few planks, unless you get the proper planks that are lined properly and that don't have any warps and or maybe knots that you cannot get rid of. If you're building something, it has to be done with careful attention. You know, <clears throat> plans, designs, and strategies will avail to extremely little if God is not directing them. I'm going to say that again. Plans, designs, strategies will avail to little if God is not directing them. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9, it says, The heart of man plans his ways, or his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. The heart of man plans his ways, and we do, but it's the Lord that actually has to establish, the, the, it's God that actually has to establish what we do and the steps that we take. His plan and his word, we know according to Psalm 119, that his word and his, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That is what we need in order to be able to advance and move forward into what God wants us to build. Now, the devil has a plan as well. 
It's got a very accurate design for the church, capital C Church. And I want you to know that the devil has a plan and a design for MCC as well. MCC is in that plan. Every church, every believer is in that plan that the enemy has. And his plan is to destroy. It's to destroy. Now, if we start with that understanding, we will be wise to the enemy's schemes. We will understand exactly what he's trying to do and how he's trying to attack us. And what we'll do, we'll actually gain territory on him rather than him gaining territory on us, right? If we can be aware of the fact that the enemy wants to come and destroy what we are doing, that's when we will begin to actually gain territory for God. Psalm 127 was a psalm written by King Solomon. And it's one of the psalms of ascent in the categories of psalms in the Bible. Uh, Now, when you talk about Solomon, I think Solomon was probably the guy when it comes to building. I mean, he understood what it took to build a house for God, right? We know that people will come from everywhere, according to the Bible, to see the construction of the temple that Solomon had put together. We know that David had received the commission for God not to be able to build the temple because David was a man of war. His hands, the Bible says, were bloodied hands because of the wars that he had participated in. And so God said to Solomon, I want you to build the temple. And I want it to be grandiose. I want it to be, I mean, it would have been the envy of the best of the seventh wonders of the world today, if you could actually see it. Overlaid in gold, wood of acacia, taken from the best places, you know, the timber from this place and the other place and wood and silver and gold put together this gorgeous home. And when that temple was dedicated to the Lord, you know what happened that day, right? The glory of God came down. And the Bible says that the ministers could not even speak or do anything because of the glory of God had come into that place. I want that again, don't you? I want that. I desire that. But Solomon knew actually what it meant to build something. Now, Solomon also understood what it meant to fail. Because Solomon was a great man. He started well, but his passions and desires got the best of him. And so at the end of his life, his disobedience caused the kingdom of Israel to actually end up in disunity. And eventually it resulted in the destruction of not only the walls, but even the temple just being ravaged and and all the things and all the precious stuff that God had ordained for his ministry were just taken away. So Psalm 127 is a warning from Solomon to us. It's a warning about what, you might say? It's a warning to build carefully, to build what the Lord wants us to build and to build well. In fact, if you have read, and we've recently done a series on Nehemiah, but if you, recently, if you have read the book of Nehemiah, scholars actually agree that this Psalm 127, because songs of, Psalms of Ascent were actually songs that people would uh, the people of Israel would actually sing during special festivals. They, scholars agree that Psalm 127 was probably a song that the people of Israel were actually using as they were building the walls of Jerusalem again. I can actually see that. And so there's something very powerful in this verse. Let me bring out three key elements that I see in Psalm 127 real quick. Number one, there's a divine tension that we see in, in, in verse 1. It, Psalm 127.1 says that unless the Lord builds a house, the laborers build in vain. There's a divine tension between reliance and confidence in God and action. There's a divine tension between resting in God and having faith in God. Let me explain this a little more. We need to deal and embrace with this tension sometimes that we even ourselves feel when it comes to like serving the Lord. 
We are, we can get very eager, excited to do things for God, and it's just so great, right? But, you know, unless God is in what we do, we're kind of like wasting our time. That's what Solomon is saying. So there's this tension of how much do I go for it and then stop or trust the Lord and wait to do anything? There's a tension there. Now, needless to say, I think when it comes to believers, there should be no idleness, no laziness, right? We should not be lazy Christians. We should not shirk from our responsibility when it comes to the things of God and what we need to do. From the very basic principles of reading the word and worship and prayer and some of those things that are just important to us to doing what we do here. I mean, everything that you see, all the preparation, all the work that the band has done, weren't they great today? Yeah, yeah, bless them. I mean, all of that takes time and it takes investment and it takes people who are able to say, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to step up. I'm going to be what you want me to be, what God wants me to be. Now, when it comes to getting, to getting involved in the kingdom and the work of the kingdom, there should be probably less thinking and more doing. Maybe some less uh, analyzing of, like, should I? What will that mean? Does that mean that maybe I need to get up early to be at church when it's raining or maybe it's freezing in the morning? I don't know. I'm not sure that I want to get up to go for prayer at 6.30 in the morning. I would rather just stay under my blankets and just having a great time there, so would I. So would I. But you know what? There are things that need to be accomplished for the Lord. And unless we together embrace the call of God to work for the Lord in very practical terms, then you know what? Not much is going to be done. Now, if we're waiting for God to open a door every time, you know what? God, God's going to open the door. I, I'm not doing anything until God opens that door. I'm waiting for God to bring that confirmation for me to do what he wants me to do. You know, he want me to come pray. I just need to hear from God. I'm not sure about that. I think if we're waiting for confirmation for the basic things of Christianity, uh, can I just be honest with you? We're wasting time. We are wasting time. The verse is clear. He plans, God plans, God designs, we work. He plans, He designs, He gives us a blueprint. It's actually, this book contains every instruction that we'll ever need. He gives us all of that. He's already given it to us. We work. We labor. We co-labor with God. We participate. We throw in our elbow grease. We roll up our sleeves. We do what we got to do. Because that is what the Lord requires. His blueprint, his, his masterpiece. This word contains everything that we need. He is a master builder. And so whatever he says in his word, we can be resting assured right now that what he said, he will accomplish and we will have peace as we do it. In Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 31 says this, the horse is made ready for the battle, for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. Now, this is basically telling us that God is the one who prepares us. He equips us. You know, a horse ready for battle. Can, you know, a, a soldier would not jump on a horse without the saddle, without the proper gear to be able to control that horse because as soon as he'd get on it, you know, it'd wobble and fall and the battle is lost. But God prepares us much the same way as he's saying in this verse that he is preparing a horse for battle. That's his responsibility. But actually the horse has to, and you know, that's probably, you, you don't feel like you're a horse, but... I'm not calling anyone a horse, but that illustration is basically us. He is preparing us for battle. Come on, relax a little bit, guys. You know, he's preparing us for battle. He is preparing us for his works that he has prepared before time. 
He's a practical God. We rely on him, we have faith in him, but we work to build the kingdom of God to bring victory for the kingdom. I truly believe that with all my heart. This is where the rubber hits the road when it comes to Christianity. It's, you know, I think that at times we think that Christianity has to be some utopic ideal out there. Right? You know, this grandiose thought of, you know, we need to reach new levels of spirituality in order to, to do work for God. And I'm not underestimating or undermining the power of waiting on the Lord. Please don't misunderstand me here. I truly believe that there are major things in our lives that we need to wait on God for. There are major decisions that you don't make them unless God is saying, go ahead, you have the green light, do it. But everything else, all the things that we're talking about, even just, you know, getting these chairs put together and, you know, and the people that come on Sunday morning to, to prepare the sanctuary so that we can sit and have the pleasure and rest and enjoy worship. All the work that is done back here, everyone that is participating, all the work that Spencer has to do every Sunday morning, get, getting here earlier and stuff. Thank you, Spencer, for all the great work that you do. I mean... All of this stuff, all of this stuff takes time. It takes passion. It takes ability to be able to say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. Yes, me, God. Yes, me, God. You know, serving God, giving of our time and talents, helping people in need, sharing Christ, you know, being a witness for God, discipline of fasting and prayer, giving our tithes and offerings. And the list is, can go so on and on and on and on and on. There's so many things that God is waiting for his children to say, yes, Lord, me, I will do it. Choose me. And so God is getting us, his children, ready like he does a horse for battle. And then the victory will belong to the Lord. The second thing that I see in this verse, there's a conditional truth. And that is found in that word, unless, unless the Lord builds the house. Unless he does it, we labor in vain. It's a, it's a little word in Hebrew that it's, it's spelled I am, it's pronounced im. And that word im is a conditional clause. And it describes both possibility and impossibility. That, in this case, it basically means that unless the Lord builds a house, if he builds it, we, the laborers, are good. If he doesn't build it, we, the laborers, have just wasted a bunch of time. That is exactly what that little unless in the Hebrew language means. We can just like go all out in preparation. I'm going to work out. I'm going to get ready to set up, you know, do whatever God wants me to do. You know, I feel a sense of purpose and desire. We will waste our time if God is not in it. Unless, unless, unless negates all other sources of success. It is literally saying that it's the Lord or nothing. It's God or nothing. It's his presence or nothing. Or nothing. And I don't want anything else but his presence. If God is not in it, unless the Lord. It's not unless me. It's not unless my abilities. It's unless the Lord. Unless the Lord. Unless God builds it, it's just not going to matter anyway. Unless God builds what he wants to build, it's not going to do any good to any of us. Think of it this way. Building without the Lord, it's like scooping out water with your hands, right? You can get water and your hands are together you can contain some water here but building without God is scooping your hands with your fingers open that's what it is it's literally everything that we are doing 
will end up on the ground, lost and empty. Now, <clears throat> I don't want you to look at me and say, you're like Debbie Downer today. Uh, the truth is that there's nothing that we can ever do unless God is in it that will actually bring any fruit for his glory. That is actually what we need to do. <clears throat> now, Moses in chapter, in Exodus 33 and verse 15 said these powerful words. <clears throat> this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And he said to him, that's Moses telling God, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. If your presence doesn't go with us, let's not even talk about it. Moses was aware that lack of God's participation, divine participation in the future of the nation of Israel would be a complete disaster. If you don't go with us, we're not going. Guys, unless God goes with us, we cannot accomplish anything. Unless His presence is manifested in our midst, we will not accomplish anything. This morning, about nine or ten of us were praying, and that's what, that was our prayer this morning. God, unless you go, unless your spirit empowers, unless your Holy Spirit gives us the ability to be able to sense and see and know that you are here, we cannot go anywhere. And that should be the heart cry and desire of each and every one of us. You know, there's so many things that I have failed at in my life because I didn't take the time to ask him. You know, those big decisions in life where, you know, you look back and you say, what in the world happened? I thought I had all my ducks in a row. Everything was like perfect. You know, the plan was just unique. It, it, I knew that it was going to work, but what in the world happened? Well, that's because God was not in it. God was not blessing that effort, that thing that you wanted to do. He truly desires, guys, for all of us to take the time to realize that unless he goes with us, there's that condition, unless, unless. Matthew 16 and 18 says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build, I will build. Say it with me. I will build. That is Jesus. He is going to build his church. It's not my ideas, plans, strategies, great way that, that I can strategize and come up with the coolest things, ideas, and names, and tags, and, and labels, and, and all that other stuff. <clears throat> That's just not going to matter any. Unless, unless he builds it, I will build my church. And you know what? When Jesus builds his church, look at the results of it. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Come on. All of hell will not be able to do anything against a church that is working, ordained by God, working under the instruction of the Holy Spirit and what He is saying that we should do rather than what we want to do. That is what God wants to do. That is what I want. <clears throat> On this rock, <clears throat> I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail it. Lastly, <clears throat> success is dependent on who? God, right? Number one. But the success that we're talking about in this verse is actually dependent on God and on each and every one of us. Success is dependent on God and us. Success <clears throat> is one of those things that we all chase after. We love being accomplished. But you know what? Success is defined as the accomplishment of something that, that you have purpose to do, right? It's, <clears throat> it's like basically looking at, at a target and, and, and just looking at what you need to go and you aim, you shoot, and you hit the bullseye. That's like, wow, I've achieved success. Now, success is dependent on God and his blessings. However, we are called to work with God. 
Unless the Lord builds a house, who? The laborers. Who are the laborers? That's us. Look at the person next to you and tell them, hey, that's you. <laughs> that's you. You are the laborer. Right? Unless the Lord builds a house, the laborers build in vain. We are called to work with God. And it also means that success is dependent on the activities that God has planned for us to do and not the things that we want to do, as I said before. Look at these verses. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. They're good. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Look at the next verse, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 9 through 11. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. That's incredible. I mean, like, this, this is not the building. No, we are God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We have got to be so careful the way we build. And unless we lay the work that we do on the foundation that Jesus has already laid and we build upon it, you know what? We're not being careful builders. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16 is a final verse. <clears throat> From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You see, it's not just what God has to do. God is providing the plan. He is giving us the design. He is giving us the blueprint. But we actually have a work to do. We have a responsibility to accomplish. It's not just leave it up to God. God is just going to do it all. Hey, you know what? At the end of all things, we're just going to look back and say, wow, look, God has been faithful. Who is God going to do that through? He's going to do it through you and me. He is going to use us. And you know what? What is our desire this morning? Do we want to say, God, use me? You see, guys, guys church is not just a place we go to. Church is a family that we belong to. Church is more than just coming into a location. It's not more than just getting in a car and preparing the kids, which I know for you parents, God bless you. I know what it's like to prepare your kids and go into church in the morning. I'm so thankful for all of you being with your children here. We love your kids. <clears throat> but, you know, it takes more than just getting in a car and driving to a location. Church is an assignment that we have from God. It's more than just, hey, let's just go to church today. Now, I don't want you to uh, get this, that, you know, we're trying to um, convince you that, you know, church is the most important thing and, and you know, uh, we're trying to kind of like making sure that you get here every Sunday morning. But the truth is this, guys, that when you see yourself as an investor in the kingdom of God, right? You don't want to miss it. Have you ever, I don't know, many of you are business owners, but if you're a business owner, you don't just show up once a year for a board meeting Look at everybody and say, great, thanks guys, you're doing a great job. Are we making any profit? I'm not sure, but it's okay. You know, I'm just here, just for the day, and then you're gone. Building God's kingdom <clears throat> requires investment from each and every one of us. A little sweat equity, a little giving that sometimes we are not willing to. Because you know what? Let's be honest. It creates a little bit of a discomfort. And I don't know about you, but I don't know of anybody that actually likes discomfort. I don't know anyone that likes pain. And we don't like <clears throat> the discomfort that comes along with having to put our hands to the plow, like Jesus said, and doing the work that he calls me to do, you to do for his kingdom. You know, 
if we don't get this point of collaborating with God and building his church and making an impact in this world, <clears throat> it's going to be very, very easy on Sunday morning when it was raining like today and the sky is dark and there's barely any light coming through your blinds that you have closed really well because you don't want to be woken up as soon as the light of day comes. And I know that November, whatever, second, first or second is just probably going to disappoint you because, you know, we're just going to go back an hour and it's just going to be more light in the day. And Oh, God, I wanted to sleep that extra hour. <clears throat> we need to understand that. We need to get that, that unless we understand the investment, we'll just turn over and say, hey, you know what, hon? Let's just watch church on YouTube today. You know, one staggering statistic of sadness for the kingdom and the church, that some people say that 30% of church people will never go back to church because of COVID. That's a sad thing. That's a sad thing. Because you know what? I, look, I, I get it. God is everywhere we go. But there's something very special when we come together as a body of Christ. There's a corporate anointing that you cannot exchange by a smaller group or your family anointing. There's, there's something special in the family too. Don't get me wrong. I believe in that. But there's something very special. You know what? We can't do what God calls us to do on our, with our PJs and a cup of joe in our hands. Because we need to put the cup of joe down and link arms together as believers, to do what he calls us to do. We are part, the part that we, uh, or what we are part of, I think is the saying, is greater than, <clears throat> than the part that we play individually. And that is why it's so important that we labor and co-labor with him, that we do what we need to do. We don't want to miss anything because God is in it. Let me close by this. What is it that we're trying to do here? We're building a foundation for our children and generations to come. But it's not going to come for free. It's going to come as we roll up our sleeves and work with God and co-work with Him. We're building to be a light to this world. You know, in, in December of last year, 2019, uh, one day we were in prayer with a group of, of, uh, of people and... Um, I had a vision so distinct and unique. I actually saw a lighthouse on top of a mountain. And as uh, the, the light was shining toward the sea, as you know, the lighthouse is meant to bring ships that are lost to sea into the port. <clears throat> and I actually could see the waves were turbulent. The water was turbulent. And because of this lighthouse shining the light out, the ships were coming in. And, and the interpretation that I felt the Lord was saying is that God was calling us as a church to be a lighthouse that would allow people that were kind of lost at sea. Maybe they were going through turbulent times and, and situations and, and, and so on and so forth to actually to be able to come in. I don't know about you. We have gone through some, some of our own turbulent times, Right? But you know what? The light of God is still shining. The light of God is still shining. And he still wants to bring people in. That is what we can do. We are building. We're building for revival to come. Revival to come to MCC. But also to be part of a greater awakening. Here for the city of Charlotte. And for America. And the world. I want to be part of what God is doing. I want to be part of everything that he is accomplishing. But how do we labor? How do we labor with God? It's not that complicated, guys. It's back to kingdom basics. We labor <clears throat> like children, right? Jesus said, become like kids. Jesus said the kingdom belongs to these little ones. Children don't question. You tell them to do something, they'll do it, unless they're teenagers. So that's, that's a different story. I can give you some advice on that. We labor with prayer and fasting, worship and praise. That just is what is actually going to dictate the level of our involvement is the appetite that we have for the things of God, guys. 
the appetite, the thirst, the hunger to go after God. Because I don't want to play church anymore. And I was telling the group upstairs and we were praying that I'm sick and tired of reading God working in books. I want to see it in our day. In my day. Lord, manifest your power today, right now here in our midst. That's what I want to see. <clears throat> we do it with humility and collaboration, working together. We do it in freedom because you know what? You can't build if your hands are tied. And God knows that there's so many things that bind us down. Hebrews 12 says, us, says that we need to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily clings to us and keeps us bogged down. My prayer this morning, and I hope that that is your prayer, is that we can link arms together and build for the Lord. I know these are uncomfortable times. These are not times that any of us would say, oh yeah, it's a piece of cake. I'm just going to do it. Come on, let's do it. But we do need that too. We do need some joy, some excitement to be able to do what God wants us to do. So would you say, yeah, I want to go labor. I want to do it. I'm in. I'm in for the ride. I want to do it. Can we stand together? Can we just lift up our hands to God and say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Here I am, God. song together. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to I will build my life upon your love. It is the firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not Sing it again, I will, and I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not be. Father, we thank you. As the words of this song said, that we want to put our hearts, our lives, total trust in you. Because Lord, we know that when we put our trust in you, we will not be shaken. You are trustworthy. You are that solid rock. And so Father, I pray 
I pray this morning that you will look into each and every one of our hearts. That God, we will give our yes to you this morning. We say yes to you, to co-laboring with you, to working with you, to, for you to take us where you want us to go, Father. Father, I ask you this morning in the name of Jesus that you will cleanse us, that you will purify us as your church. That, Lord, we will not look to anything else but you. We will not look to anyone but you. That, Father, that our gaze, our hearts, our eyes will be directed to the work that you want to do in this day. Father, I pray that you use all of our talents and abilities that you've given us to be able to be the church of Jesus that you call us to be. Lord, I thank you for your word and I pray that we will go away from this place realizing that you're calling us to something greater. You're calling us to lay down our lives as a sacrifice before you. Lord, thank you for every person in this place. I pray your blessings as we depart from this house, that your spirit will go with us and you lead us into areas and places of influence where we can just be who you call us to be, the light of the world, the salt of the earth, the people of God that bring the answers to a lost world. I thank you, Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You know, the service is closed. We bless you as you go. Grab a cup of coffee if you can. But if you want to spend some time with the Lord, you just want to be before God and just pray a little bit, you want to come to the altars are open, feel free to do that. If not, may the Lord bless you. In two weeks, we'll be together again, and I will share part two of this verse and something that is just going to get us to to war with the Lord. Amen? Because unless He watches, we cannot guard anything. And you know what? We need the Holy Spirit to give us the strength to watch and guard what God wants to do with us. Amen? God bless you. We'll see you.